The ox knows its owner, and the donkey its master's crib. But Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Isaiah 1-3 Hi, this is Pastor Jason from Christian Life Church in Waverly, New York. Welcome to Master's Crib, a weekly podcast where we interview pastors and leaders about the biblical teaching of authority. This program is designed to go alongside a personal Bible study aimed towards spiritual growth, biblical understanding, and a Christian worldview. Thanks for tuning in. So today on episode 16, we have Nathan Drake of Reawaken Hymns and Minus Studios. Nathan has weekly content he puts out there for churches to do tech and worship on a low budget. Nathan Drake, welcome to Master's Crib. Thanks for having me. Yeah, really appreciate it. So let's just take a couple seconds and talk about your ministry and kind of why you're doing what you're doing. So what is Reawaken Hymns and why are you doing this? Yeah, so Reawaken Hymns is a um, resource for worship leaders, churches, people to, uh, um, it started as to just simply provide a means to use hymns in modern services without them sounding like out of place. <laughs> um, so, you know, like acoustic, simple acoustic arrangements and such. Um, so that's what it started as. It started as a YouTube channel and then now I have a website with all the chord charts and other resources on it. And it's, it kind of grew, it started as that and then kind of grew into a resource of just um, for small churches all over the world that don't really have any resources. Mm. Like I have a lot of um, people that use Reawaken Hymns that are in like house churches and like a lot in South America, um, Philippines, places like that. And they, they, I mean, they when I say no resources, I literally mean no resources. Like they, they can't pay for a CCL license to legally use other songs. So they use like the hymns I have because they're, they're modern churches and they want to do like modern worship. I'm air quoting that modern worship, by <laughs> yeah, the way. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but they can only use hymns. So it's kind of grown into that. And it's, it's, it's really cool. All right. So when did this all start? Uh, I actually, <laughs> I, you, you, I saw that question on your thing and I actually just looked it up because I didn't know. So my first video uh, I just saw today was May 15th, 2015. So it's been almost exactly five years wow. now since I started. That is awesome. So yeah. uh, Minus Studio is, is kind of like another arm of Reawaken Hymns or something different. Yeah, that's that's more just a YouTube channel. It doesn't have all the website resources, but... Uh, as I said, as grew, as reawaken kind of turned into like a lots of small churches with no resources using it. I was also getting like tons of tech questions, mm. like how do we do this with no money? How do we do this with no money? So I was like, well, I'll just I'll start another YouTube channel dedicated to that. So Minus Studio then basically says, how do you do church tech and worship leading when you don't have a whole lot of money to spend like the mega churches do? Yeah, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah, some of the some of the stuff you have, I mean, even in your house, I've had people um, comment if we've played a video of yours here during a service or whatever, it just says, wow, how amazing the quality is of these cameras. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, and he shows like how he does this for like nothing, you know, like, yeah. really limited yeah. budget. So that's awesome. I like to call myself a professional cheapskate. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> You're in good company. Yeah. So the end of the day, you finish all the recording, you hang the guitar up. What is your hope and your prayer that has been accomplished with all this? 
Ooh, that's a big question. Um, well, for the last three or four months, very um, real impacts I'm seeing because churches are have to worship online, you know? So I, uh, three months ago when this all started, I kind of immediately knew that God was like, hey, you've been putting out music online, worship online, and now people need that, so do it. So I did it. <laughs> and so I started putting out these just full worship sets, um, you know, that are scripture and all this stuff, basically everything you'd normally have before a sermon in a, in a lot of churches. I put out the whole thing, call the worships, all that kind of stuff, and then sent them out so people could download them for free, add them to their own worship services. And I, I mean, I've had, it's probably about a hundred downloads every week that I put out. Wow. And yeah, so it's, I, it's just a crazy, I can't believe it's happened. Like it's, it was just so, I don't know. I'm just so happy that I'm able to do that for churches. Like, it's just incredible. And hopefully, hopefully I will not have to continue doing that for very much longer. <laughs> so <laughs> we can all go, all go back to in-person. This is the first thing I put out that I said, man, I hope I, I can stop doing this. I <laughs> know <laughs> that's, that's awesome. So yeah. actually our Good Friday service, we used your set and people actually thought, you know, you and I collaborated on this you know because yeah. it went so well together i'm like that's awesome no no it's just that's what he does and, and that's what i did and, and it all came together so you know god knew better than both of us i guess so really appreciate what you're doing for sure yeah yeah sure so uh, let's take a couple minutes you and i and tear into god's word which is something that we always like to do on uh, on master's crib and uh, it's always interesting because you know Basically, from all over the United States, I've been having you know awesome guys like you step in here and uh, and have a conversation about God's authority, and um, everyone's saying a lot of the same stuff, which shows us that across denominational lines, uh, we know where authority truly lies. We know where we're supposed to be going with this. So that's just been one of the really awesome things we've seen. So uh, today we're going to be looking at Psalm sixty-six verses one through seven. I just like to read those. It says this. Shout for joy to God, all the earth. Sing the glory of his name. Give to him glorious praise. Say to God, how awesome are your deeds. So great is your power that your enemies come cringing to you. All the earth worships you and sings praises to you. They sing praises to your name. Come and see what God has done. He is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man. He turned the sea into dry land. They passed through the river on foot. There did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever, whose eyes keep watch on the nations. Let not the rebellious exalt themselves. So should we take this call to worship as a request or as a command? That is an interesting question. <laughs> I... <laughs> I would actually say probably something in between those right. two. Um, it's interesting because you have to wonder if you can actually command someone to worship mm. something. I, I, like if I if I walked up to you and I said, "Take this hundred dollar bill," <laughs> is that a request or a command or an you invitation? Know? Right. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Honestly, who cares? You're going to take the hundred dollar bill, <laughs> right? Right. Right. You know. <laughs> so, so I, yeah, I think it's kind of in between. Um, it semantically is a command. I mean, it's saying do this, do this. Um, but the you have you know, can 
you command someone to worship something like, can you command someone to breathe? Can you command someone to fall in love? Mm. These are things that of course you can actually say and tell somebody to do, but whether that then means it happens is a little different. So it's kind of both a request and a command that can't be not the other one, if that makes sense. That's wonderful. So when we talk about this whole concept of worship and I mean, literally this is what your ministry is about. What are we talking about? What does it mean to worship? That is a huge question. Um, wow. Is, so your next question will be, what's the meaning of life? Probably. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you got it. You got it. <laughs> um, so I, as, a, as in the broadest sense, I would say that worship is um, the act of like prescribing worth to something or making something worthy to be of devotion or of obedience or whatever verb you want to add after that, but making something worthy Mm. uh, is what worship is in general. And that's also kind of what we talked about before with the, can it be commanded? It's like, can you command someone to make something worthy? Like Mm. it's just so interesting. Mm. So then why are we to worship? I mean, here, this is a, this is a specific, uh, we can call it a request, we can call it a command, we can call it an invitation, which mm-hmm. is, is probably the best word, I guess, to use. I mean, why are we to do this? Yeah, um, put simply because he is worthy mm-hmm. is why we are to do it. Um, we love to worship things. We absolutely love to worship things. Football is a big one. We worship uh, musicians, politicians, uh, everybody worships, not not everybody worships politicians, but if you go on Facebook, it seems that politician worship is the number one topic on Facebook. Oh yeah. Um, And it's just, it's just what we do. We love to worship things. And I speaking of Facebook, just real, I mean, like if you look on there and you, you like read, um, what people say about, we'll say Trump, this is not a Trump statement. This is just that he's the current president statement. Obama yeah. did the same thing, anything. But if you read like what people say about him, when people disagree, it, he's a savior to people. And Obama became a savior to people and politicians become saviors to mm. people. And it's kind of alarming, but it's because we just have to worship something. And politicians um, very purposely put themselves up to be worshipped. That's kind of what they do. So we love to worship things, but nothing other than God is actually worthy of being worshipped. Mm-hmm. If we worship any of those other things, football, musicians, politicians, money, power, whatever, it, it will always only bring disappointment and frustration because those things always fail. And God is the only thing that you can worship that won't fail so that's why we worship i would say amen amen so let me just reread verses five through seven one more time this question is specifically about these verses so it says come and see what god has done he is awesome in his deeds toward the children of man he turned the sea into dry land they passed through the river on foot there did we rejoice in him who rules by his might forever whose eyes keep watch on the nations let not the rebellious exalt themselves so we look here in these verses and it tells us to look on what God has done. A lot of the songs, a lot of these hymns that, you know, you're putting out there that you're putting to acoustic guitar are talking about this exact same thing. Why is that important on looking what God has done? Why is that an important element in our worship? 
Yeah. Um, I, I think looking on what he's done is kind of, it's kind of everything. <laughs> mm. Um, I mean, if, if you, if worship is to declare something worthy of devotion or obedience or love, then obviously our next question is, but why, or, but how, or how do we know it's worthy? Mm. And God could just say, I am worthy. And he does say that many times, but then he also proves it many mm. times. Yeah. And that's, that's what's happening. He's saying, I am worthy, but I'm not just telling you that. Look back at what's happened. Look back at what I did. And I, when I was reading this, I thought it might be a Psalm of Ascent, um, which is the Psalms that the Israelites kind of read going to the temple to remind themselves what God has done. I don't know if it is or not, but um, that's, that's uh, what it seems like is it's like, okay, we're, we're about to worship God. Let's stop. Let's think, okay, why is it we're worshiping God again? Oh, this reason, this reason, this reason, this reason, this reason. Um, and I, when, I, when I was reading this, it was interesting to me because I thought it seems that worship, Christian worship, of course, uh, is always predicated on the remembrance of salvation. Uh, there, the Israelites was the salvation from, you know, Egypt, uh, that sort of thing. For us, it's obviously the salvation of the cross. But it seems whenever you look at worship in the Bible, it, it starts with a remembering of salvation. And of course, that more than anything proves that God is worthy of worship. Wow, that's awesome. So moving into the cultural implications of this passage, do you see the modern church as seeing worship as we've been discussing as important? Um, I'm going to say yes and no. Okay. <laughs> because the modern church is a huge thing with lots of different things in it. Yeah. Um, in some churches and denominations, uh, worship is too important. And when I'm, I'm speaking of musical worship now, which I probably will be for most of this part, um, it worships become too important. It's become an idol. Um, you, these, you get these big churches, um, and the worship leader is like this, like rock star God who crafts amazing emotional experiences, uh, under like the, the guidance of the Holy spirit. They'll always say to add that, you know, but it, it God becomes a, just a tool to mm. get to this emotional experience and worship, or at least musical worship becomes too important. It becomes an idol. And of course, in many churches, the other, the opposite is true. Uh, these are more the churches I came from where it's like, worship is just the thing that hurts your feet before the real teaching happens. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, let's sing him 125 and 45 and eight real quick so we can sit down and learn about God, oh, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I, I think both are true in, in, in the church. Cause we really like to go to extremes, but I think luckily for us, there's also a lot of churches right in the middle where they're supposed to be, where worship is simply the act of declaring that God is worthy. It's not an idol. It's not dismissed. So I think a lot of churches are actually doing really well, seeing uh, worship as important as it should be. That's great. So when you consider, uh, you know, all these churches going toward this, you know, kind of modern movement and, and the worship wars and all of this other stuff, do you see in there uh, kind of like a, like they've murked the water up a little bit with what worship is? Um, I actually might say the opposite. Okay. So 
it's kind of the same as above. We go both directions, but I, I know there's a lot of people, some people kind of scoff at contemporary worship, but one mm-hmm. thing it's done that you can't really deny is it's made us stop and think about what worship actually is supposed to be. Uh, like no matter whether you think it's good or bad, it's definitely for sure that worship stopped being something we stopped thinking about. And we start thinking about like, whoa, is this what worship is? Is that what worship is? Yeah. How is worship supposed to look? So while it may have like mucked up the water in the sense of what some of the artists and songs became, the actual change that happened, you know, 30, 40 years ago, 50 years ago, whoa, that was a long time ago. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that actual change, I think a lot of people said, whoa, we actually got to think about worship more. What is it supposed to be? Mm. And, and that has kind of brought about, at least in a lot of the churches I've been at, kind of a, a stepping away from the hymns, which I know that's what your ministry is, is addressing, is, a, is presenting hymns in a way that uh, is for the modern church. And I greatly appreciate that, and, and so do most people that are using your stuff. So in your opinion, why do you think it is that a lot of churches have moved away from using hymns? Yeah, I think um, I think it's just our tendency to extremes. I don't know why we have that, but we do. Um, the, so we had the hymns for a long time, mm-hmm. and the hymns and the way worship was done tended to be very unemotional and detached in a lot of churches. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when things started to change in the 60s, 70s, 80s, it swung all the other way, like all right, let's throw as much emotion and as much hand raising and dancing and, and, you know, lovey dovey words into our songs as humanly possible to, to get away from what it used to be. And now luckily I think we're seeing us swinging back the other way and trying to get in the middle of that somewhere. Cause I'm seeing a lot more churches use hymns again. I'm seeing a lot more um, modern writers write very theologically deep songs mm. Um, so I think we're right now, I think we're moving back towards deeper worship. It's not necessarily towards all the old hymns, which I think is fine because there's a lot of really bad hymns that we should get rid of. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but I think it's great that we're, we've gone that we, we started at the, uh, the extreme of unemotional detached, went to the extreme of love songs for Jesus. And then now we're going back in the middle somewhere where it's both reverent and intimate, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, definitely. So one of the songs that you um, have done recently, and you did kind of a modern take on it, is Lord, I Deserve Thy Deepest Wrath. And (laughs) it's a beautiful and wonderful song. And that also is a song that really seems like it does not belong in a lot of these churches that are preaching lovey-dovey messages. So what is it about that? Now, Now, I love that song, and I know many people that do. What is it about that particular song that you said, this has to be put out there again yeah that one is that one's uh yeah <laughs> uh well, well the immediate thing that made that happen was lint um i was looking for wrath songs for lint because we were preaching on wrath and there's not a lot of modern wrath songs <laughs> that's true <laughs> honestly there's not a lot of wrath hymn songs which it makes sense because you know when we're going to worship and we're i mean think about writing a worship song like you sit down and you're like okay god just did something great i want to write it down 
not often does people sit down and be like, oh man, I need, I'm full, you know, God has wrath on me. I gotta write this down. Like, <laughs> so I can, I can see how that happens if there's not a lot of wrath songs, but it's really, I mean, as worship moved towards, as we calling it the lovey dovey, I don't know how we got to that term, but I like it. Um, <laughs> as it moved towards that, there definitely was a missing of more specific things like wrath and judgment and even other not so scary things but more specific theologies so i found that song i loved the words uh i couldn't find a good melody so i actually rewrote the melody but that is a song i think is really great and it's an example of what hymns can offer mm. that modern songs don't yet quite offer i think which is specificity okay. like we were preaching about wrath it was lent so it was appropriate and so it was a perfect song for that now i personally wouldn't really play Lord, I deserve that deepest wrath in my regular rotation. But when it when that comes up, I think it's a great song. Yeah. So now, how did your church and your pastor, you know, respond to this uh, reawakening this song? Really good. It was really good. Yeah. I didn't. Yeah. I don't get much pushback. I mean, since it was Lent, everybody is kind of in that that state anyway. Yeah. Um, if I throw it, you know, right after Mighty to Save, people might be a little weirded out by it. <laughs> no joke, no joke. Yeah. All right. So, so God has complete authority to call us to worship Him, right? So, uh, w when we say, you know, is it a command? You know, I, what what exactly is this? I mean, it, we'd both agree. Everyone listening would agree. He has the complete authority at any point to call us to worship Him. So, in what ways do you see the church today yielding? to his authority or rejecting it specifically with worship. Ooh, um, I mean, there's a lot of both ways, but so one that comes to mind, this is a little specific, but it comes to mind is, um, first, let me start out by saying that I'm not a hymn, hymn purist. Like a lot of people think because of what I do, I'm like, Modern worship's bad. Hymns are great. I'm not like that right, at all. Right. I'm, I'm, I'm like, do it all. If it's a good song, throw it in. I don't right, care, right. you know. But um, I'm just, if it's theologically deep and a good song, I'm good. So, anyways, <laughs> um, recently there's been this thing that songs have come out, slightly controversial lyrics, uh, and then there's like massive worship leader arguments about them or not just even worship leader, like complete church arguments about whether we should or should not use them. Reckless love is like the biggest example recently. Like everybody had to weigh in on that song and yeah. whether it was, is God's love reckless? Is that true? Is that wrong? Is that this? Is that that? And we had just everybody throwing out their opinions on whether reckless love should be sung because it says reckless in it. And I think both sides of that were kind of ignoring God's authority in the matter. Like one side was kind of saying, you know what? I don't know if it's reckless or not, but the song moves me. I feel connected to God when I sing it. So it's good to go. Mm. But when we're singing truths about God, it is important that we make sure they are actually truths, you know, yeah. like that's an important thing for us to do. But then the other side actually says, you know, well, you know, here's the definition of reckless. Here's why it's not reckless based off Leviticus 18.25. Like that's not, that's not a real verse. I don't know what that says. Don't look that up. But, <laughs> but, and they're like, don't play it for this tiny reason, this tiny reason. And I think what they're really doing are saying, I have an idea of what worship is and this does not fit it. So get rid of it. And mm -hmm. again, in that 
same sense you're ignoring God's authority over worship. Does that make sense? No, yeah, no. So another song making, making worship what we want it to be is kind of ignoring yeah, God's word. And and these these arguments like this come up and I mean like one of the ones that I heard a lot of uh, arguments over was the phrase heaven meets earth like a sloppy wet kiss. Oh yeah. <laughs> and people are freaking out, you know, and yeah. you know the bo- the bottom line is our words are not profound enough you know we just are not as articulate as we think we are so sometimes <laughs> we're just doing the best we can to ascribe you know what we're thinking what we're feeling uh, to god so i think you're i think you're absolutely right there i mean we can fall way to one side or, or far to the other without even giving it some thought of why are we even doing this to begin with like what's the point of all this yeah i yeah i totally agree and that's it's the great thing about God's authority over worship is that it's complete. Uh, so in the end, he wins those debates. <laughs> <laughs> like m- worship will go where it's supposed to go. The songs that need to be sticking, need to be around for a long time will be. And the songs that don't need to be, won't be. Like there's a lot of bad songs right now that will go away. And there was a lot of bad songs written in 1835 that went away. Like God's authority is is still over it just like it was back then. And I, I have to mention this because I, I just thought about this. This is really interesting to me. But um, so when we look back on the worship change from hymns to modern, um, what's really interesting is not, you might just call me a liberal hippie for this thought. That's okay. <laughs> but worship started changing before the world started changing in the same way. Mm. So we got like so if you look at what we call hymns they aren't a biblical thing it's just what we usually mean by that is songs written by american or european men between 400 and 100 years ago yeah yeah which obviously is not a biblical thing at all um and the church started changing and all these other artists came in and saying well let's let's look at how worship could be this or that or could the songs be this or that and then we went global like the world turned into a global world. We got the internet, we got everything. And now everybody is connected to everybody all over the world. And all of a sudden we're like, whoa, songs written by American and European men 200 to 40 years ago are just a small, small portion of what's happening in the Mm. world. And like worship started that change before the world did. And that's like, I guess God knew what was coming. So I'm not saying that like the, you know, the movement to contemporary is completely God ordained and everything's right. But what I'm saying is that, that we see this, like God clearly said, okay, everybody in the world is about to be connected. We need to start moving worship so that we have a much broader perspective on this. Cause God always has a much broader perspective than we do. Amen. So all these, all these people are going to be hearing this. How can they find out more about you and more about your ministry? Uh, yep. My website is the best place. www.reawakenhymns.com. Um, that's got all of the hymns that I've done so far. There's, I think I've done like 70 or 80 hymns so far. And then also, if you're more just into watching YouTube, go to my YouTube channel. That's what the whole thing started as. Um, so that's like, I don't know what the URL is. Just search Reawaken Hymns on YouTube. All right. Yeah, that's wonderful. All right. So uh, I really, really appreciate your time. Really appreciate uh, you know, your ministry. And definitely I'm going to be uh, praying for you going forward. Nathan, thanks so much for joining me. Thank you.